I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Yvonne Heath. She's a nurse helping to create a culture of change through her book, Speaking, and most recently, her campaign, I Just Showed Up. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. so much for taking time and spending it with me and my listeners on Death by Design podcast today. Your story is not similar than mine, but we have really similar viewpoints of how we look at life and death. And I'm, I'm really happy for you to join me today. Thank you, Kimberly. We certainly do. We are kindred spirits. Totally. So talk to me a little bit about your experience as a nurse. I mean, what sparked the interest in end of life? Well, 27 years of nursing, I was in every department. I worked in 10 different hospitals and, you know, there, there was a common thread. And I, at first, of course, I didn't notice, but what I realized is that when it comes to grief, death, dying, it's an amazing how we can avoid the conversation. We can avoid the subject. And I've been in the room with people who are dying and nobody's talking about it. And I realized that I was suffering excessively. And uh, when people did have open conversations, something magical happened. They could grieve, but they could allow laughter and joy and everything in between. And, you know, people could die peacefully and their their families their loved ones could move through grief uh with greater ease or you know with with a, a knowing that they had created this good death and uh and i i need to help create this culture of change where we this denial of death as you so obviously believe as that is your name death by design and and let's uh let's burst that bubble let's create a culture of change well why do you think we are a grief phobic society. Why do you think we, we, we are so fearful of grief or death or the end? What is your, what's your opinion on that? Well, that certainly was part of my uh, research when I was writing my book and I did actually write uh, a whole chapter called why are we so death phobic? And I, I didn't understand myself. Why? Because even as healthcare professionals, we don't talk about that, you know, which is interesting because I'm thinking if healthcare professionals don't talk about it, who does? So I started to really, you know, dive in. And what I realized is um, one minister said we have sanitized our society, uh, meaning that we no longer have to be hands on with death. Right. We have we now have funeral homes where people used to die in the home and be laid out in the parlor, right? They, they used to be uh, ill at home. Our elderly lived among us and now they live in nursing homes and we may visit grandma on Sunday or we may not. And so, and of course we have our wonderful media that celebrates youth and anti-aging this and anti-aging that, which drives me crazy. <laughs> like, can I, I said, I want a cream that's called I would love to age gracefully cream, not anti everything. So we've slowly pushed it all away. And of course, we want a quick fix in our society, right? Because we're so everything's so fast paced. So we don't 
have time to grieve. We don't have time for meaningful conversations. Uh, you know, what do you believe about life and death? We, we don't want to, we're very, very, everything's quick, quick fixes. And the other thing is, is that we, um, because we don't want to feel our pain, it's much easier to have, you know, a few glasses of wine or any other addiction so that you don't have to feel that pain. And, uh, I, I'm confessing right now that I had a love affair with red wine for many years because I didn't want to feel my pain. You know, I didn't. So it's all of these things that led us to this grief phobia. I agree. And you know what? You're not alone. There's so many people that use different things to numb out. Um, and that could be Facebook, that could be electronics, that could be television, that could be so many other things that um, we makes us falsely feel connected, yes. but it really puts a lot of distance um, between us and true connection. So you mentioned your book. So let's talk about your book. Um, your your title is Love Your Life to Death. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about why you wrote it. I had the privilege of reading it. So thank you so much for sending me that. It was beautiful resources. But talk to me, like, why did you want to write a book with the title Love Your Life to Death? Well, that is such a hilarious story because as I was pacing in my house and, and, you know, I had been working in chemotherapy for the last 15 years and I had seen, been witness to people holding on to life at all costs. And I had people coming to me on the sidelines and saying, I don't want another chemo. I don't want another surgery. I'm, I'm just ready to die. And I'd beg them. I would beg them to tell their families and they would say, no, they're not ready for me to give up. And I, you know, I was suffering excessively hearing this. And, and so I became very anxious and pacing and angry. And why are we denying death? And why are we giving 105 year old people tr transfusions? I mean, when is it okay to allow a natural death if, if 105 isn't enough years, right? And we're so attached to longevity, you know, the quantity of life instead of quality. So as as I said, as many people have transformational moments in their lives, they're pacing and, and listening to their inner voice that doesn't seem to me be making sense. There was a pop-up on Facebook, how to write a best-selling book. And I went, oh my gosh, honey, that's it. I'm going to leave my 27-year nursing career and write a book. Yay. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you know, writing a book is not all it's cracked up to be. No, it really isn't. It's a bucket list. Well, and you know, it had never occurred to me until that very moment, sitting in this very chair at age 49, because I said at 50, I've got to do something for the second act of my life. I hadn't even so much as journaled. I hadn't done essays since college and I didn't get a very good mark. So, you know, this poor man had a bit of a panic with a two family, two, three children and two incomes. And I'm going to go write a book. I'm going to be the kooky author in the forest. And, you know, I just, so I just sent out one email and I said, I want to write a book and stop laughing, everybody. It's true. I want you to share your stories. Would anybody share a story about having traveled through the deep trenches of grief and getting to the other side, your experience as a patient, family, healthcare professional, who will share their stories? And Kimberly, I have to tell you, three years later, the stories haven't stopped coming. So it, it it's changed my life. I've had tremendous feedback and it is what wakes me up at 4.30 in the morning. And the title was another pacing through my house moment. I don't know, you know, we have to love our life no matter what till death. And, and we just have to love our life to death. And then I went, oh, 
love your life to death. And I said, honey, run, go, go. This is my book title. And he'd heard that several times with a lot of other titles, but I went, no, this is it. We need to just, you know, I want everyone love your life to death and no matter how long that is. And uh, it's become a movement. It's become everything I live and breathe. What I love about it is because you don't put uh, this whole death thing on the elderly population. I mean, there's a chance that, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. And so how do we love our death um, until we die. And so that's why I love it. It's, it doesn't imply that you're old and gray because um, you, you, you can be young. And many of us in this industry have, ha, yeah, have gotten into it because we've lost some people at a very young age. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what is your mission when it comes to changing how individuals face end of life? Why, why are you so passionate about it? Well, because um, I, I realized that healthcare professionals are suffering and don't know how to have those conversations. And then I think, well, then who is teaching others if healthcare professionals aren't doing it? And, you know, where nobody's actually having these conversations. And, and I know that we can normalize anything, right? Because in, in my presentations, when I'm speaking, I always say, what would many of people have been doing in this room 30 years ago or whatever? Smoking, right? Everybody smoked everywhere and no one even thought about it. Hey, you know, uh, you're a little short of breath, Mr. Jones, uh, but I had, and the doctor's smoking while he's telling him that it's hilarious. And now I say, somebody try to light up, see what happens. Everyone would lose their marbles. So we can normalize anything. And you certainly hit the nail on the head when you said, we don't all die of old age and we don't always get a warning. And, you know, it's funny because people always say, oh, are you speaking to the seniors? And I said, yes. And I'd love to speak to the children and to the teens. You know, we all face grief in our life and we certainly People die at all ages, and the more accepting of that we become as as a society, the less we will suffer. As you would have read, I interviewed Nathan, who was 11 and had battled cancer for five years, and he knew at least eight children who had died. I couldn't even say that five years ago because I was just it, it just created so much pain. And I haven't started caring less. I've just started accepting more. So let's talk about what we believe about life and death. Let's create conversations at all ages. And I, I, I hate to admit this to people sometimes, but our, we have a 23-year-old and 12-year-old twins. I say our twins have been like our experiment because they have been a part of this journey. And I have normalized grief, death, and dying for them. We have these conversations. They were able to hold their cat for five hours in our, our cat that we love so much in the dying process. And we just bawled our eyes out, but they were able to be there. I mean, how incredible. They were able to be there when our pug Frankie died and our, our lab, like they have Death, you know, is a part of this journey at all ages. So instead of protecting our children, let's create resilience and show them that their grieving hearts will heal. Right. I mean, I love that. Yes. It's I love that. I love that word resilience. It's time to create it for all ages. Absolutely. Right? And I don't know if, uh, you know, Jessica Zeter and Don Gross, but they created um, through IDEO this dead death ed um, 
kind of curriculum. And uh, you, you really need to get in touch with them because they have the same philosophy as, you know, why do we wait until we're in a health crisis to learn about this? Why isn't this part of uh, the school curriculum? Um, because that's where we're all headed. And would you plan your life a little bit differently if you were educated that it will end? Um, because we're, we are, we seem so, I mean, when I was in high school, I wasn't thinking about, you know, deep things. I was thinking of other things that high school kids think about. And I mean, would that have changed my whole perspective? It it makes me wonder. It makes me question. So I, I definitely agree with you. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about some of your events. Um, you, you have a book, but you create these love your life to death events. So talk to me a little bit about how these, um, how these events happen and what do you do? Do you talk about the book or how are these structured? Well, it's funny because everything has sort of happened organically and, you know, I've done a lot of radio. I have a television series because it's so funny when you actually listen to your inner voice and it's like, what are you passionate about? It's like, great. I'm passionate about having deep, meaningful conversations about life and grief and death. How am I supposed to create a life doing that? But I have. And so we reached out in the beginning to anybody and everybody. We said, have book, well, travel. We spoke at libraries and and whoever would have us. And now people are coming to us, which is so incredibly um, rewarding because, you know, I'm I'm speaking to, I've spoken, um, connected with people uh, who work with people with ALS, Huntington's, cancer and addictions. You know, it's all grief and it's all difficult. But here's the thing that I try to explain to people. Grief doesn't care if you have cancer or a diagnosis. Other things are going to show up in your life. You know, grief shows no mercy, right? It arrives unannounced and uninvited. And so uh, we just, we are now speaking a lot to the seniors. I've spoken at the high school and I just say, have book, we'll travel. We will speak wherever we are invited. (laughs) How does someone get in touch with you? Is it through your website? Yeah, through our website, www.loveyourlifetodeath.com. My wonderful husband, Jordy, who's a paramedic and slash business guy slash everything behind the scenes guy. Secretary. (laughs) He is uh, wonderful. And uh, yeah, it's easy to get a hold of us. So I love a campaign that you started and, you know, I'm new to it. So I think it just started, but it might be a year old about I just showed up. Talk to me a little bit about this campaign, because that saying I just showed up um, is what I tell people when they come to me and say, well, I, a friend of mine died and, and what do I do? And I said, just show up. And that doesn't mean, you know, show up and run your mouth or show up. And it just means show up and be present. Yeah, that's right. Well, yes. Well, and again, that's another thing that pacing has really served me well in my house. I'm thinking, you know, I wanted to expand the message. Grief is whatever makes our heart ache, certainly death and dying, but you know, divorce, diagnosis, mental health issues, addictions, whatever makes your heart ache. And I start every one of my presentations with this. I walk out and I say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. And everyone looks at me like, oh, what a great speaker we have here. That's awesome. But then I say, just raise your hand if you've ever said these things or felt this way when someone was grieving in a crisis or even just in, you know, facing one of life's challenges. And everybody puts their hand up. And here's the thing. We as a society do not talk about grief before it arrives. 
right? We wait until we're in crisis and then we get bereavement and, and employee assistance and all of these things, which are wonderful, but we have no foundation. We have no belief, uh, coping skills, strategies. There's no foundation. I want to create that foundation. And that's what I just showed up is about. So I just showed up teaches people of all ages, how to show up for themselves and each other. So they are empowered and resilient when grief arrives. And I love that message. <laughs> and, and we created these bracelets that say, hashtag, I just showed up. That is to remind you to show up for yourself first. When you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, just show up because you can make a difference. And you know what? If somebody just showed up for you, give them a bracelet to say thank you because it means so much. And let's continue that conversation because whatever you are facing Whatever someone else is facing, the answer is always just show up. Allow your humanness, your hot, messy self, hug, text, email, call, sit silently, just sit and cry. You can say, I don't know what to say. People say to me, well, what if I make them cry? I say, oh, get them a tissue. Well, what if I cry? Oh, well, get yourself a tissue. Like, why can't we just allow our humanness, you know, stop trying to fix grief. We just need to allow it. That is the way our heart heals, right? Battered and scarred. But that is the only way is to feel our grief. And it is, it is uncomfortable and it can be so hard. But I promise you, your heart will heal if we learn to take care of ourselves and each other. I'm not passionate at all about this, Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> well, you know, talk to me a little bit about where do people find this book? Where do people find this bracelet? Is it all on your website or are there other uh, you know, venues where people can get this? Well, our, our book is certainly on Amazon in different places, but it's all on our website. And of course, we, we have www.ijustshowedup.com, but it's all uh, connected because we just want it to be easy. And we've also created Facebook pages, uh, Facebook, I just showed up and um, and I love your life to death where I do a weekly blog and it's a vlog. I'm a vlogger because it's a video and you know, I just, it's unedited and sometimes it's my hot messy self. And I just kind of go along my life and say, this is what I'm facing this week. And you know, last week I was sitting across a lady who was apologizing because she was crying because her husband had died a few months ago. And I said, you know, it's okay to allow your grief. It's okay to allow your tears. And it just makes me so sad that we feel like we need to apologize. And, and, you know, and, and let's end that polite conversation, right? Oh, Kimberly, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Good. Oh, okay. Perfect. Check, check. Forget that. Let's allow our grief. So that's why we, we want to create this community where people can go on our Facebook pages and Twitter. And here's the thing. I mean, I'm just the messenger. I want to continue to learn as I go along. I'm committed to lifelong learning as I know you are. And I mean, we, we just, you know, we're, we're learning and sharing by sharing other people's stories and our own experience. And not a day goes by that I am just privileged to hear someone's story, privileged to show up at, uh, you know, when someone is dying and you know it, and I know it, what a privilege it is and what an honor it is to be present you know, in that most vulnerable, most private time. And we, you know, people need to understand, yes, of course, it's hard on your heart, but what an honor, you know, I had, there was a, a paramedic in the area who 
um, was dying. And I got a text that said, you know, his wife just, you know, he's, he's nearing end of life and she would love you to be here. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I'm being invited. Like how extraordinary. And, you know, this is why we need to talk about this before to diffuse the fear and help people be present in those times, because there's, there's nothing more rewarding <laughs> than making a difference at end of life. <laughs> it is true. And it, I mean, actually, I mean, being by the bedside of those who are, are in the process of dying or, you know, have a, a timeline, it, they've given me so many life lessons that I've now applied to my own life. And I, I think that sometimes we talk too much and we don't listen enough and or watch enough. And in right now, we're so inundated with visual stimulations that we we forget that the ordinary is is really the extraordinary moment. Um, and that has nothing to do with electronics or television. And it's be, being awake um, and being surely walking away from an experience knowing that it is going to impact you the rest of your life. And, and that's, and that's sort of how I, I, when I finished reading your book and, and thought about all of these stories and, um, I was so grateful because, you know, being a writer myself, I, I tend to think like, am I going to still be affected by other people's stories, even though I have my own? And the answer is yes. yes. Um, it, it's all, yeah, it's almost like, you have like 10 children, uh, you love them all the same. Um, they have different personalities, but I think your heart grows. And, and I, I really appreciate that about your book is that these stories are what make the whole life thing uh, real to me. Yes. Um, even though we're talking about end of life, uh, you know, death is just a moment, but it's the stories that put color in that final moment. So it, it is true. So what, what's next for you? What are you, what are you up to? Oh my goodness. So many things. Well, it's funny because, well, first of all, I want my information available in every modality. So when I do my presentations, I have seven takeaways for living life to the fullest learning to grieve and support others and having the talk about end of life and diffusing the fear. So my takeaways, I actually have created a video, an audio so that, you know, when grief arrives again in someone's life, they can hear the information and it, and it is about living life to the fullest. So that's on my website, but I also want to uh, create a webinar. So again, people can have that information you know, whenever they need it, because uh, like people have said, your books changed my life. And I loved to hear you speak because uh, you don't know this uh, about me yet. We don't know each other well enough, but I'm really funny. So that really helps because <laughs> Patch Adams is my hero and I'm very silly and very funny. And so that's why I also want to do a webinar because it's okay to laugh and it's okay to cry, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. I always make somebody cry, but I always aspire to make you laugh because it's already serious enough. So I definitely want to do a webinar and, um, and share my message. I want a million bracelets across North America. So Canada and the U.S. because... I want these bracelets on kids that are two, that are five, that are 105. I had, um, we have triplet cousins. And when they were six, I sat there and explained what I just showed up meant. And I said, I explained it to them and they got it, right? Kids get it. Kids know. And I said, this is what it means. Remember when your friend is sad, just show up. And they all yelled it. So I want to bring my message um, across North America. 
I want to connect with Jessica and Bud Hamas and Sheryl Sandberg. And of course, Ellen and Oprah. I mean, that I'm ready to sit across <laughs> the chair and talk to Oprah. Super Soul Sunday. I'm in. I'm ready. I want to <laughs> take my place. Because, you know, well, be prepared, be prepared for a phone call. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, because when you, here's when the you thing. put it out there. Yes. Well, it doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what your status. When grief shows up in your life and you're ill prepared, it can destroy everything. And and so it's a message, you know, the CEO of the world needs to hear. So I am ready to share it. I am ready. But I, I, on another note, here's a funny thing that this is just so different is that I have been invited and I've uh, taken part in an anthology. 21 women from across the world sharing their unapologetic stories of grief and obstacles and everything they've been through. And it's called I Bared My Chest, metaphorically speaking. Thank you very much for those who are questioning that. And um, it's coming out quite soon. And the cool thing is we've also done an audio book, but it's all recorded in every we each recorded our own chapter because it's about how, sharing your authentic voice. So it isn't recorded by professional. Isn't that so cool? Oh, so, that is great. Yes. Yeah, so that's coming out. So let me know when that, yeah, let me know when that's coming out. Send me an email because I would love to, I would love to read that. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, so our goal, like I said, for, for 2018, have book, we'll, we'll travel. We want to travel across North America and share a message. So, um, yeah. Everybody call us. We're ready. Have a book. We'll travel. <laughs> yeah. And I and I have read the book and I will say it, it is powerful. And I think anyone who works in uh, the palliative hospice, uh, you need to read it. Um, it's, it's a different viewpoint that I've seen from other books that are out there from, you know, the doctors and Atul Gawande and stuff like that. But it, it, it's it's touching and it's real and genuine. And that's that's what really I I was drawn toward, uh, toward the book. So look, thank you so much for your time. I mean, you, you're changing how people face end of life. And I love that you're a Canadian, but you still will cross the border. Hopefully y'all won't build a fence to block us out of your country. Um, but <laughs> no comment, but, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but, um, look, I, I can't tell you how many lives you've changed by following, your passion and and even your curiosity and that's what it's about and keep doing good works and please know that i'm here to support you in any way possible well thank you so much kimberly and you are doing incredible work as well i am so glad we've connected and uh shall i tell people my final uh call to action please yes if you want to show up for yourself and you want to show up for others you need to plan your life plan your death and then just love your life to death and always bring your own tambourine to the party. <laughs> That's a great, <laughs> great thing. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.